0: Cool. Thanks for your love and support in advance. Simply click on the link in the show notes or on my website, and it'll take you where you need to go. Now on to the show. Hey, it's Ryan. This is a prolific creator where we talk about life and art and see what sticks. And today, my friends, I am so thankful to have Abigail Morrison on the show. Abigail is a writer. A first-time novelist, and we are going to talk all things novels and writing. And uh, you are going to love my conversation with Abigail Morrison. And I want to say up front, I know we're living in very difficult times and emotions are running high, and things can be difficult on a lot of levels. And you can pick and choose what those things are, and your challenges and your difficulties are personal. And I hope you're doing okay. I hope you're hanging in there. Um, and I was reminded by this interview that sometimes when you think, you know, what I'm doing, it, does it matter what I'm making, what I'm creating, the people I'm trying to serve, the work I'm doing? Does it really matter? And Abigail shared with me, and I had no idea, that uh, this little podcast that's been going on for five, six, almost seven years uh, started it. In my basement uh, with no expectation, uh, just keep doing it and, and rebooted it and, and changed it up a little bit. Uh, but she was a writer, uh, a novelist, struggling with many books that she had on her hard drive and finally decided it's time to get my book out into the world and get it done, get it published. And she did just that. And I'm not taking all the credit, uh, that would be foolish. Uh, But this show was an inspiration to her. It was listening to the community and the people that I've interviewed, listening to my little takes on writing and creation and publishing and creativity and all that stuff, uh, got her in a place to get the work done. And this is why we do the show. And this is why you need to keep on creating, keep on working, keep on serving, keep on doing the thing that you're doing because it all matters. And we may not see it every time we make something we may not get the feedback that we we crave or maybe we don't hear anything but these kinds of things happen all the time and you're having a bigger impact than you realize and the stories you're writing and the things you're making and the art you're making and the people you're serving and the doing the generous thing always matter. so i just want to say in difficult times keep making good art keep making great art with your life too and abigail was a reminder to me of that and so i really appreciated my time with abigail Morrison, it is a jam-packed, fully loaded, robust interview. And so without further ado, let's get to my conversation with Abigail Morrison. Well, hey, welcome everybody to The Prolific Creator. Um, I'm so thankful today to have Abigail Morrison on the show. And Abigail, I have to ask you this first. Sure. Is I think you're from Wisconsin, and so you need to tell me where in Wisconsin you're from.
1: Sure. Uh, I'm that's just, okay. I don't, I know oh. this is going out to <laughs>
0: thousands of people. So, you know, Oh
1: no, it's, it's fine. I'm actually uh, just outside of Madison. So,
0: okay. Mm-hmm. Um, I, and the reason I ask is because this summer we are going to be going to Sheboygan, Wisconsin. And, oh, nice. uh, we've been there many times and uh, we love it. And also, um, My father actually works in Oshkosh, um, Wisconsin. So a little bit of a Wisconsin connection. So I feel like a kindred spirit. So, um, well, hey, I'm so glad to have you on the show. And uh, and and you are some of the, I would say, favorite people to talk to because uh, I think you have your very first novel coming out. Um, and I always love talking to first time novelists, um, not that you're a first time writer, but, um, but kind of that first big thing that came out and, and the story behind that and, and how you came about, how you came to this point and what you learned along the way is always fun to talk about. And I think we have a lot of uh, writers and creative people that are just kind of starting out and have a lot of questions. So yeah, hopefully they'll be able to, to learn something from you today. So, so thanks yeah. for coming on the show. So, um, it's very obvious if you go to your website, you love to tell stories and, uh, when did that start? Like, was that like a upbringing thing? Was that recently? Tell us a little bit about your background influences, stuff like that.
1: Yeah. So a long time, long time writer uh, grew up. Mom was, was always reading to us as kids, always encouraged reading, going to libraries. Um, And I, I, even from like third grade, (laughs) I was, I was, I want to do this. I want to be an author um, and there was like a brief stint in middle school where I want to be like a CIA agent because I was very into alias at the time, but like, other than that, it's just been writing the whole time. Uh, so yeah, it's, it's been a, a lifelong endeavor. Uh, I don't mind telling people I'm 31 now, so it's been, it's been a long journey to get here. Um, but, a, a very good and fruitful journey on the way.
0: Well, that's, you know, that's, um, I think something important because I think for most writers, it's usually not, you know, I woke up at 30 and said, I'm going to write my first novel and make it happen. But usually there's some kind of influence. Obviously it sounds like you read a lot as well. And I I don't mean meet many writers that aren't big readers, um, and have big influences, uh, in that. And tell me a little bit, some of your reading influences, because I noticed, um, you, you like to kind of mix genres when you're writing, telling stories. And obviously you've been influenced by a lot of different writers and different you know, genres and things. Uh, tell us about some of your favorites and kind of what they, what they meant to you.
1: Yeah. Um, so I am a big fan of Garth Nix. So he did the Aberson trilogy. If people are familiar with that keys to the kingdom is another series he did. And I remember reading uh, Sabriel, which is the first in the Aberson trilogy when I was in middle school and just being like, this is it. <laughs> this is <laughs> what I want. Uh, Neil Gaiman is another huge one for me. Uh, Diana Wynne-Jones, she's a, a fantasy author. She wrote Howl's Moving Castle, if people are familiar with that book or uh, Miyazaki movie. And I'm also really influenced a lot by um, by anime and manga. I'm a huge nerd, so that influences my writing a lot. I know... Um, Cowboy Bebop was a huge, huge influence for me when I was in high school. That was kind of a gateway anime for me. I love sci-fi. Stargate SG-1 was like a huge game changer for me. That was my entree into kind of long form sci-fi shows. Um, So those are some of my bigger influences, I would say, and kind of uh, formative ones. Oh, and then there's an essay by Tim O'Brien called How to Write a True War Story, that Mm -hmm. I read in high school. And I would, that is a foundational core of how I approach writing today. So.
0: (laughs) So with, so with so many different influences, obviously sci-fi and anime and um, young adult, adult, you name it, high school essays, all that. um, You know, when you started thinking, getting a little more serious, like, Hey, maybe I want to write a book or I want to, you know, share my stories. Do you sit down and, and think about that? I mean, do you say I want this to be sci-fi? I want this to be this or that, or do you kind of just let the story kind of go where it needs to go?
1: Um, I don't know that I think about trying to emulate things necessarily. There's certainly, um, there's certainly things that I'll write and I'll think, oh, that's that's coming from this specific thing. Like my current book has uh, dryads in it, which are basically in my version are basically ants so that's like a very clear you know influence there um characters that I'll draw on or or you know just bits and bobs that come in I think the that essay does influence um what I how I approach writing so that essay basically is Tim O'Brien is a is a veteran from uh Vietnam War and he talks about trying to write a story that conveys his experiences to people and having people come up to him afterwards and ask him questions or talk to him and him being like they didn't like they didn't get it. They didn't connect. And so then he's like, okay, well maybe next time, even though they were white flowers, I'm going to change them to yellow flowers because maybe that will help somebody better understand. Or, you know, they were singing this song, but I'll change it to this song. So kind of that idea that um fiction, uh, on my old blog, my header was just because fiction doesn't happen. Doesn't mean it's not true. So using fiction to convey truth. And, uh, so that's like a foundational thing, but I don't know that the other ones are, I'm not necessarily emulating, but I am inspired by them. I know when I feel creatively dry, I sometimes I'm like, I just need to stop working on my project and go fill up the creative tank and go watch, you know, a movie that I've watched eight times already because I just know that it uh, restores me. It reminds me of why I like to do writing. It reminds me of why I feel it's important and just kind of recenters and uh, gives me that creative boost I might need in the mm-hmm. moment.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love this. Cause I, I, I've lately been just wrestling with you know nonfiction versus fiction and I've, I've kind of done both and really seeing the power of fiction in ways I've never seen before and like you said, just being able to tell stories that are, that are true, um, with, you know, real, real people that are made up people, but it's real people in real situations. And, um, I just read this book by a woman who was kind of dealing with mental health, which always can be kind of tricky, um, to do that sensitive, sensitively, but, but you just like resonated with the characters. I mean, whether you struggle with that or not, um, but it, it just really, um, you know, my mother struggled with depression and and some other things and, um, and, you know, I've had different bouts my, myself, but you just kind of like find yourself in their shoes and you find just kind of like someone who, who understands you or gets you or and I think that's the power of like fiction. These characters that we're drawn to, these movies, these stories we're, we're drawn to. Um, it, they're not just made up. They're like they feel real to us because we know people like that and we know that they've gone through tough stuff like we have. Um, And you talked a lot about in like, even on your, um, your website, a couple of things I was reading, you said, you know, you like to ask kind of these big, like philosophical questions. And um, I always find that interesting because I think fiction can kind of do that in a way, kind of in a backdoor way. Um, even sometimes better than nonfiction because nonfiction so on the nose. You're like, well, here's the question, and here, let me try to answer the question. Um, yeah. So, do you think about that when you're writing a story, or even in the novel that you're um, you're working on, or, or might be completed at this point? Um, you know, here's the big question, or is that just kind of weave itself in and out of the story?
1: Sure. I I think it's a little bit of both. I was actually thinking about this very thing this morning because I suspected there might be a like, where do you get your ideas from, or mm-hmm. what's your process kind of question, and I think. Uh, sometimes it does start with just that idea or question. So, uh, I've actually written five novels in the past. And then finally, I, after working on one for like eight years and just driving myself into the ground, I was like, let me work on one. I'm a little less emotionally <laughs> close to, which is this one. Uh, but I, but I've written five. And so some of them are like, you know, everyone's like, okay, murder's not okay. But like, are there circumstances like in a war situation mm-hmm. where, that becomes needful. And how do you process that and take responsibility for that? Another one is about, you know, what is more important as far as like a good action? Is it your intentions in it? Or is it what you actually do? Mm -hmm. This one deals a lot with kind of the idea of peace and, and reconciling with people and kind of, um, I this is a little bit of a tangent so my apologies but oh, go I I feel like as as a young adult author I see a lot of messages in young adult fiction that I'm kind of like I don't know that that's like the greatest and I kind of like question some of the ideas that are that are that I see in young adult fiction and so one concept that I see a lot in things like you know Hunger Games um Star Wars not that that's necessarily like young adult mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean the original series um and similar things is kind of this like this rebellion and taking down like the system. And, um, <laughs> and sometimes I'm like, yeah, but like, you can't just like kill everybody that <laughs> that's like wrong <laughs> or you disagree with, like at a certain point, like it's not really peace if you just kill the other side. Right. Mm-hmm. And so that's kind of something that I'm really interested in in this novel. I'm, I'm more it's not that I'm necessarily like, yay, bad systems are fine and you shouldn't like challenge them. But I'm I'm more interested in redeeming things than tearing them down. And so that's kind of where I'm something I'm playing with in this story. And that came uh, that I put a lot of thought into and it it leads to characters that I think um, are in some ways kind of unlikable, which really scares me. Um, But just trying to have characters that it's like, well, they're both wrong. And but that's okay because then they can both learn something and both Mm -hmm. grow in that scenario. Um, So I'm I'm curious to see how that turns out. I mean, I adore all of them, (laughs) so Mm -hmm. I don't find them unlikable, but they do things and react to things in ways that are purposefully uncomfortable, mm-hmm. um, in the hopes of getting a reader to think about like, is it really okay to just, you know, just wipe out the other side or, you know, where, where does that fall? And if, if they think something, why do they think that? Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> so that's kind of some of my aims as a writer. I, I hope that makes sense.
0: No, no, it does. Cause I think a lot of times it's like, you know, if you, if you just wipe out the other side, you know, using that as a metaphor, um, you got to replace it with something, you know, you, there, there has to be something on the other side. Once it's torn down, well, what are we building back up? And I think right. sometimes that's the the problem with some storytelling um, that it, you know, um, you know, it's funny, like even stories, I, I fi- I'm finding the anti-hero really intriguing, you know, like mm-hmm. Walter White and like Breaking Bad and some of these characters um, that underneath them is also just this, I still want to do right um, mm-hmm. even though this is a very dark way of getting to, you know, helping my family by selling drugs, at least in the Walter white character, there's still this like wrestle with, but I think I would do anything. It might be pushing the boundaries, but I would do anything for my family to make sure they survive after I die because he thinks he has cancer. I mean, most of us, most people know the, if sure. I spoiled that that's on you, it's been Blatant a, long,
1: spoiler it's alert. a long time. <laughs>
0: um, uh, that's like, you know, quoting wizard of Oz. It's like, well, if we you haven't seen it by this point. Yeah, Sorry, that's on you. Um, yeah, but that, that's kind of an interesting um, different way of storytelling. These very flawed characters, but like underneath it, they're still trying to do like something right and something good at, at yeah. times. And, and at other times it's just dark and every way around. Um, but yeah, that's and also like when characters are too nice, and neat and tidy that's not interesting either because none of us are nice and neat and tidy. Um, and, and we all need hope and we need redemption and we need grace and we need, you know, um, totally which, which I don't find very interesting either in storytelling. So it's, it's kind of like somewhere in the middle, you know um, you, you know, you may call it like, they're not likable, but that's actually sometimes intriguing um, yeah. because, because we all have people in our lives. we maybe don't like that much or they, they, you know, but they're being honest to who they are. And, and, you know, and so it's like some of that's on us, like how to deal with them and how to, you know, respond in appropriate ways. Um, So, yeah, I like that. Um, You know, one of the reasons I asked that question about like, do you think, you know, how deeply do you think about these philosophical questions or kind of the questions that kind of lead to the story is um, do you find it hard? And I I find this hard too, is um, not getting too preachy or not getting too, um you know there's just this moral tale and then everybody everything's everybody's happy in the end because sometimes when you you want to include some themes you don't want it to be so obvious or so like and then you know he starts preaching about this you right did you find yeah. that a, a difficult like balancing act um or yeah
1: maybe yeah i mean i think i think most writers will run into that at some point and that's actually something i why i like so much um Of like the Japanese storytelling is because I think they're a lot less focused on like these moral stories and I Mm -hmm. find that that and this is just like I keeping in mind that if I say like eastern storytelling I mean like anime and manga so Mm -hmm. it's a very Mm -hmm. limited pool um but I feel like there's kind of this like western stories can be very like what's the moral what's the lesson you know, and obviously we have a very long history of that from grim for- fairy tales and parables and all of these things that have kind of fed into that. Mm-hmm. And I feel like, you know, Japanese stories are kind of just like, let's just take a concept and run with it to like its most natural conclusion. And they just go like full throttle sometimes. I mean, not you mm-hmm. know, very and quality in, in all places. Um, but I think so that's something I try to draw on a lot. And I, I try really hard more to ask questions of a reader than to necessarily give them an answer. So that's mm-hmm. really important to me. So, for example, the one where it's, you know, are, are your intentions or your actions more important? Like, I don't get to the end of that book and be like, well, it's this, <laughs> right. you know, it's very open ended. And, you know, the question of is it OK to kill somebody if you could, you know, if you could kill Hitler, does that make that okay that you killed somebody? You know, um, and I think for, for most people, that that specific example is is kind of a fairly easy, uh, you know, whether they would do it or not. Um, but I think I, I just want to ask people questions, and it helps me to avoid some of that preachiness because I'm not necessarily trying to convince them one way or another. Mm-hmm. I find there's a lot of attitudes that people have. Um, you know, whoever you run into, we all, all of us have this. I certainly have this. We have assumptions in our lives about, you know, this is right or wrong, or this is how something should be. And so for me, something that I really enjoy is being like, okay, but why do you think that? Like, why is that true? Why is that right? Um, and just kind of peeling back those layers and being like, is it really okay to like, kill someone who's you know an entire species of people that's oppressing you is it are they completely unredeemable you know things like that um without necessarily reaching the end of the book with an answer um which again is kind of an uncomfortable place to be as a writer because I don't know if people will just be really like unsatisfied um by being in that kind of uh tense place and, and exploring those tensions, or if they'll be like, Oh, that was nice. Cause then I like had something to chew on and think about after I was done. So mm-hmm. we'll find out in a few yeah. months uh, where, where that falls, but I'm excited to try it anyway.
0: Yeah, that's no, good. No, it's good to hear your influences of, I mean, it's very kind of profound. Like we think of Western Eastern stories, just the way we, we tell stories or at least been influenced by um I don't know if you've heard the book um I, I can't pronounce her name. It's an Indian writer, but she uh God of small things. Um
1: oh okay I haven't heard of that. that. Well Mm-mm. it's
0: it it gets very dark in there and it is this kind of like it asks a lot of questions, but it doesn't give a lot of answers. And it's kind of, you know, this these kids are abused and they live in this very difficult um community in, in India. And mm-hmm. But, but it doesn't, it doesn't moralize. It doesn't, it just kind of presents the story and lets you kind of fill in the blanks, which I, I think is really good storytelling um, and movies that do that too. You know, it's just, here it is. And you can decide for yourself, you know, yeah. kind of leave it more open-ended um, and that's hard to pull off. Right. Cause I think our tendency as writers is always to like, I need to over explain here, or I need to make sure, you know, my reader gets what I'm saying or what I'm trying to do. And then it becomes like a Scooby-Doo story at the end. And then, you know, or um, not Scooby-Doo, but um, I'm probably a little older than you, but um, (laughs) the GI Joe, you know, cartoon at the end, they always have a moral tale, you know, you know, and knowing's half the battle, you know, it's like, we have to kind of wrap up, put a little bow on it. Like kids aren't smart enough to figure out <laughs> right and right. wrong. And you know, all that. Uh, but that's, a, that's a tendency that you have to, you have to fight in storytelling is not yeah. to just give people exactly what, uh, you want them to hear or see or, or what have you. And that, that is hard. It is really hard. Cause I think that's just human nature to, to want to do that.
1: Right. And I think, and I think they're complicated issues that we don't, that we don't necessarily have an answer to. And so I, you know, it is, I think we tend to live in a culture right now where people have these like very hard and fast opinions. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there's a lot of things in our culture that support that, like, You know, one of my problems, sorry, tangenting on you, like one of the the problems I have with social media is like you can't have a nuanced opinion on anything Mm. on Twitter because you can't have a nuanced opinion in that many characters. You know, and so it's we have these very, you know, these short sound clippy kind of things. We have pull quotes that are taken out of context of things all the time. And, you know, sometimes it's great because it's this nice little inspirational snippet, but sometimes it's like you need to look at the broader context. Um, And so that's something that I'm really interested in is just kind of hopefully in a non-annoying way, like just kind of pick at people a little bit and be like, is that true, though? (laughs) And and why? And think about it. And maybe it is true. And maybe you think about it and you still come up with the same answer, but at least you now have maybe a more well-considered answer or have seen a different side of things of why people might think something else. So,
0: well, and I think, um, coming back earlier, what we're talking about just the power of stories and like fiction is that I think actually fiction in some ways can help people have that conversation in a different way, in a different medium where it's not Mm -hmm. two sides. Everything's black and white. It's like, here's a story with characters interacting. And then you have to decide who you are. You know, you Mm -hmm. have to decide where you land, where you, you know, and you don't even have to decide It's just let the story do what it needs to do on you, because those are the stories that we kind of carry around and go, man, I just can't stop thinking about that. Like, I mean, even films, like there's certain films, I just, you know, I'll think about it for weeks and weeks. It's like, man, I don't know what to do with that. Like, I don't know what I'm doing that situation or, you know, the pain you saw or the the way people responded or what have you, Um, or just, you know, the good things like the love you saw, the grace you saw, the Um, and and that's, I think, I think where fiction can do kind of do a little dance for us instead of nonfiction. That's so much more like, this is the information you need to decide here's the facts, you know, but then you realize certain, certain big issues are complex. Like you said, they are nuanced and, you know, social media just doesn't get it done when it comes to that. And people aren't really going there to really have nuanced conversations. That's the other problem. I mean, (laughs) they're just there to sound right. And you know be smart and self-righteous. <laughs> so, um I could rant all day too. Um but um so Abigail, let's talk a little bit uh about the new book and I'm going to uh, attempt to say the title uh Yokni's Eye. It's
1: it's Yokni. A Yokni. So, okay. Yokni.
0: Okay. Yokni's Eye. I like that mm-hmm. title. Um, Thank you. Sounds very Japanese. <laughs> um is it not? It's not. Okay, all right. Um so this novel you said you wrote you know, maybe five practice novels or four practice novels, um, which we all do. And they're all usually very personal and all very, you know, um, I did the mistake of putting my first one out there. It's still out there, but um, actually people still pick it up, but it doesn't matter. It's not very good. Um, But uh, tell us a little bit, um, you know, you've obviously been writing stories for a long time, interested in storytelling. You've been writing a long time. Um, why here? Why now? Like, what was kind of the impetus to say, like, Hey, I want to get serious about this one that I've been working on a long time and get it, get it completed. Like, what was there a <laughs> thing in your life or just like, Hey, now or never, or just, it just felt like the right time I've done this enough. Now I feel confident I can do that. But yeah, tell us a little bit about that. Uh,
1: yeah. So, um, uh do, do you want like the the abbreviated version or do you want like the full version yeah
0: whatever you're comfortable with yeah whatever sure. helps so helps us okay understand, so
1: yeah. um so i guess we'll go uh full version then so uh i will try to keep it brief so yeah wanted to do writing my whole life um graduated high school and was like i'm just gonna go for like a computer degree to like fill in the gaps before i'm jk rowling in like three years like i got this in the bag extreme like illusions of grandeur going on um and but i was working on on this this novel it was uh it's called machine uh working title um and i worked on it for like eight years and i just had this constant like you know the the more i worked on it like the worse it seemed to get and of course i was like well i'm like the greatest writer in this tiny, small town in Wisconsin. Surely I don't need to like learn anything from Mm -hmm. any other person. So like, didn't read any books on writing, didn't take any classes really other than like creative writing classes, electives in high school and college. And so, but it was just going really badly. (laughs) Like, And I just got to a point where I was like, I'm like destroying myself (laughs) in trying to make this one work. Um, and so then, um, well, I guess this is kind of the short version, which is fine. Um, so then eventually I was like, I need to just like work on a different novel. And so I started working on this one, like, um, in earnest, maybe two or three years ago, pandemic time is weird. So who knows, um, where <laughs> that landed. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, so I've been working on this one for like two or three years, um, I think some things that made a difference was, um, taking some classes and learning about plot in particular, cause that's, um, that's a particular weakness of mine. So I had like a year where I was just like, I'm just going to like learn how to plot because that's like, I, you know, there's all these little pieces that you're supposed to have and in, in the right places and how do you mm-hmm. do that? Um, and so I, I took a lot of time to learn that. Um, and then, actually your podcast, uh, had a, a strong influence on me, um, because I was listening to your show and I was listening to all these people who are like launching like a book a month or a book every other month. And I actually, I actually had to like stop at one point because I just felt so bad about myself all the time. Cause I was like, you've been working on this for like 10 years. Like, what are you doing with your life? And these people are just like going crazy. Um, and so eventually I was like, okay, like just, you need to just get something out there to prove to yourself that you can do it. And just, even if it's not perfect, it's fine. Cause it will never be perfect. And like the long version of that, that I kind of glossed over is like all of the growing I had to do as a person in order to get to this place, um, you know, working through some of the pride I had as a writer to be able to accept advice or listen to podcasts or read books. Um, there was a strong aspect in my faith that really had to be ironed out. Um, so that was like a huge hurdle for me um, that I I'm really glad that I didn't publish earlier because I think, you know, if I would have met with any like modicum of success, I would have just turned into a horrible person. <laughs> um, Cause it just would have fed into my pride and all that stuff. So I think there there is um, a lot of personal growth that had to happen. A lot of humbling that had to happen. And then I got to a point where I was just like, okay, now I feel ready. And also like, if I'm not going to get something out soon, like, just what are you even doing? (laughs) Like, just then just stop. If you're never going to do it, then why are you, you know, working, you know, all of these hours every week on a book, if you're never going to get it out there, just do it and you'll get better. And, you know, that's certainly lessons that I've heard over and over on your show is just like just try, like you'll do better on the next one. And you're wasting time, like not improving by just rewriting the same thing over and over and over again. So just move on. No. So that's very jumbled. I apologize. Yeah. No,
0: no. And actually what you're describing <laughs> is actually where all those people were at one point, you know, when they started cranking out the books, it was like, Hey, I have this. <laughs> I mean, every, every person I've interviewed, the hundreds of people i have interviewed, it's like, oh, yeah, I was just kind of, you know, playing twiddling with this novel for eight, 10 years. (laughs) And then it was Mm -hmm. like, basically what you just said, what am I doing? Why am I obsessing over this one thing? Because I, I mean, my thing I preach is like, just write another one, you know, like, Hey, get this one out of your system and write another one because every one you do is practice. It's practice for the next one. And it's not, you know, this isn't going to be the great American novel that you'll never write again. You know, I mean, there's been like five authors that have been able to do that and make a living. So, um, so that's okay. And like each one, you learn something new and, uh, and I, you know, I have one friend who always talks about, um, trying different things, each, each novel, like, Hey, I'm going to try, you know, more heavy on dialogue on this one or do like hardly any dialogue or, you know, just experiment and try different things. Now, if you're writing a series and maybe people expect a certain kind of story, that's fine. Um, But you know, yeah. Mix up genres, ask different questions, right? Do a short story, do a long novel, do a, in the middle one, do, you know, do a novella. Like there's just so many ways we can kind of push ourselves and uh and I also appreciate um you mentioning like the learning piece like that's mainly why I do this podcast is to share people's stories so that other people can learn, get encouraged, get inspired um taking classes because there's yeah there's so much information out there, but one of the dangers, and I know too, and why I've you know had to even stop the podcast for a while was. Um, It's an excuse to not write. It's an excuse to not do anything. Right. It's like, well, I'm learning. I'm in a learning phase, you know, and and you read all these books and you talk about writing and you get excited with your friends, but you never actually put words on the page. And so uh, that's a, you know, kind of balancing act too. Um, And that's good. You know, I think there's, um, there's insecurity we all face. There's, you know, what if it's not good? What if people laugh at me? What if, you know, uh, I have another friend who always says, Hey, just, there's no literary police. that's going to show up on your door and, uh, you know, burn your house down because you wrote a bad novel. He's like, people just won't buy it. It's fine. Like, it's just, it is what it is. Write another one. Um, so, uh, so that's good. So thank you for, for sharing that. Um, now in this, this novel in particular, like when you got kind of serious when you're like, okay, Abigail doing the self-talk, like, what are we doing? You know, we're going to be 98 years old before we get this first one out. Um, what were kind of the habits you put in place or what was kind of the process to say, okay, how am I getting, did you have a goal in mind? Like, it's going to be this amount of words. I want it done by this date. Like when you started getting serious, what did that, what did that kind of look like? Or, or also maybe part B is, you know, when did you know, it was like, oh, this is actually like a decent story. Like there's something here. Cause I think that's also another key to the, the piece is, you know, you can't just tell any old story, but there's this one, there was something to this one that you, you really enjoyed or, or kept going with it. So tell us a little bit about that.
1: Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so, I mean, I've had uh, on and off have had uh, good writing habits for like the majority of my adult life. Um, so I am I tend to write on Monday, Thursday, Friday, and then Saturday morning. So part of it for me was just becoming, um, just being more willing to advocate for myself to actually keep that. Um, and you know, as, as I'm sure, you know, life will always, life finds a way to be Jurassic parking about it, you know, Mm -hmm. and life will interrupt you. And if you don't advocate for yourself to like block off that time and really defend it, um, people, you know, very well-meaning people that love you and care about you will totally steal your time. Um, so that was kind of a big thing for me was just having the confidence and desire to just be like, um, like, no, I can't, I, and just setting those boundaries with my, with my family and my friends and just, and with myself also, um, and being really strict about it. So that was a big help to me. Um, <clears throat> another big thing that has helped is just, um, like accountability. So, uh, you know, I, I, um, I have been telling all of, all of the people that are in my life that I'm publishing at the end of the summer um I'm hoping for August 11th. That's like fingers crossed how it's going to go down. We'll see. It's getting very tight. Um but I've just been telling people like this is going to happen so that if it doesn't I'm going to look like an idiot. <laughs> like and in, in like a healthy way. It's not like no. my you know people are going to no. come after me and be like well, what a dummy. Like you know, but um that's been a big one. And then I think another thing that's helped me is like um spending money on it. So like paying to have the editor like work on it and setting deadlines has been, has been good for me. Um, I haven't quite gone as far as I know a lot of people like set consequences and I haven't gone like quite that far. Um, I'm very internally motivated. So I find that I don't usually need that too much. Um, uh, but so those, those are some things that have helped. I don't know that there was necessarily like a, like a switch as far as habits a lot, so much as mindset. Um, because I did kind of have some of those habits in place. It was more just like, okay, when you sit down, but like, are you actually doing things, Mm -hmm. um, rather than just kind of piddling around and, you know?
0: Yeah. And I think, uh, it sounds like when you did get serious, though, you you did make some intentional choices, like, talking to your family, talking to your friends, setting deadlines, accountability. Those are all little psychological tricks that actually really work. Um, There's a little trick too, like, you know, pre-orders on Amazon. Like there's actually a deadline that if you don't get your book on there by a certain date so that people can actually buy it when it's ready, like they kick you out of the system for like a year. And, and so it's actually a, like, a I did it with one book just cause I was like, I was struggling with this one. And I just was like, you know what, I need to get this thing out out and I'm tired of, you know, and my, and my editors usually pretty fast. And so, um, yeah, I just put it in pre-order and it was just like, Hey, you need it done by, you know, June 10 or whatever it was. And that was actually a really good, you know, in, internal motivator. Um, you know, that, that changes. Some people are doing indie publishing, self-publishing, traditional publishing. Obviously those deadlines are different, um, mm-hmm. but all those things can motivate you. And, um, you know, one of the things that was interesting, you're talking about just scheduling, you know, you have very specific days that you, you write. Um, mm-hmm. that's probably, I don't know if it's around work or whatever. There's probably some reason to that. Um, but, uh, there's just like anything we put on our calendar. It's amazing to me how people don't put their writing time on the calendar and say, this is a sacred time to me. This is, you know, I can't be bothered. We put every other thing on our calendar, but a lot of times our writing time, we just think, oh, it's just fun. That's just hobby, you know, whatever. Um, I, I don't think of it that way. I say, Hey, on these days, this is my writing block. Right. Um, mm-hmm. and put it in my calendar. So that's a meeting I can't have that day. You know, um, you know, I can't interview Abigail. I have to do that at a different time, you know, it's, because what will happen is then over time, you just keep filling it up and just going, well, I'll get to it. Oh, I'll get, and then, you know, eight years later, <laughs> you mm-hmm. still don't have that novel. Mm-hmm. Um, so just, you know, whoever you are listening, you know, I think it's, finding your way, finding what motivates you. I like what you said that sometimes you're more internally motivated. Some people are motivated by rewards. Hey, if I get this thing done, we're going on a vacation. We're going to go to Disneyland. We're going to go to ice cream. We're going to have champagne, <laughs> you know, whatever it is. Um, those can be motivating too. Um, so yeah, thank you for, for sharing that, that part of it. And, and I think, you know, once you kind of get it out of your system, that, that first, first one done, you feel like this kind of dam breaks open and, you know, you know, Everyone has its own challenges. Everyone's gonna be just as difficult. Um, but kind of it's just that kind of free like I I did it. I I got it out there. It's 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 live, it's living, it's breathing. You know, now we just pray someone reads it. Um so so tell me a little bit. Um, you talked about editing. Mm-hmm. I just talked to someone recently about um he was he's really big on hey, you need to if you're gonna invest in anything, make sure you have a good editor. Um th- tell me a little bit the process when you started getting comfortable with, you know, like finding an editor, looking for editor. What what was that price- process like? Because I know for some people it's a good experience, some of it's a bad experience, but how how was that for you and kind of what were you looking for? And and would you what have you been doing with the kind of the feedback?
1: Yeah. So um I, my editor that I, I have two editors. So I had a developmental editor and then now it's um, most of it is with my copy editor. I've got a few chapters. I need to iron some stuff out. Um, but most of it is, is with her now. So um, I actually lucked out because I have a friend who uses this editor. His name is Tim Storm, my developmental editor. Actually, she uses Peggy uh, Williams, my copy editor too. Um, so, <clears throat> So she she kind of got me hooked on Tim. Um, Tim is a phenomenal editor and I actually ended up taking a class from him that was all about plots. So that was kind of where I, I made a more firm connection with him. Um, and that that was like also foundational to my writing. I think about it all the time. <laughs> so that was really helpful. So that process was relatively easy for me um, as far as finding somebody. Um, they're both very busy, so the timing can be a little tricky. Um, but as far as feedback, I haven't gotten a ton back from my copy editor yet. Um, so I, and then I, the last week or last month of my life has been unmitigated chaos in some ways. So, um, I haven't gotten to those, to those copy edits yet. Um, the developmental edit, um, was helpful. I was able to find... It was nice because I found that there weren't any curve balls. So it was kind of this affirmation for me of like, well, the, the one curve ball was that I'm not very good at grammar. So that was kind of like, Oh, I just, I just crushed um, by that because it was a surprise, but everything else was kind of like, okay, this, the things that are wrong are the same things that I think are wrong. So it was just nice to be like, I'm not crazy. It's not like this isn't working um, at all. So that was helpful. Um, and then I was able to do some back and forth, um, with him on a few ideas. And then I kind of just took it back to myself and, um, kind of, there were, there were a few things that I was like, I don't think it, the problem is this character. It's actually somebody else. Um, and I s- stand by that and ended up changing that character a ton. Um, and I think that, that then kind of unlocked some of the things that he was looking for in, in his kind of trouble character. Um, so that's kind of what I've done, done with my feedback so far. Um, We'll see what happens with the copy editing. Um, I actually did a pretty thorough copy edit myself before I sent it to her um, to try and ease her burden a little bit. Um, So we'll see. I'll probably change my editing process in future. And then I also have a writing group. So we meet monthly and we submit a few chapters. And so I get most of my developmental feedback from them um but it's nice to have a developmental editor um outside of that who can look at the full picture because obviously i can't bring my entire novel to my writers group every month right so
0: that's good so uh for those listening developmental editors like big story picture you know things working as far as the story goes and then copy editors more grammar commas spelling Mm -hmm. does that be fair to say
1: yeah. Um, yep. yeah. And then she does like some consistency things too. Yep. So she's like, Oh, this character's name changed or their eye color yeah, or, yep. you know, whatever.
0: Yeah. Which I'm, that's actually my biggest feedback. It's always like, Hey, he's wearing blue here, but he's not over here, you know, or whatever it is. Sure, sure. Just script or, you know, you spelled the name wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, the, and, and you know, what, uh, Abigail's describing too is, you know, those listening, it it's, it's also like, this is really a team effort. Um, as much as we, you know, see writing and creativity as this kind of solo endeavor. And it's me and my pencil and me and my computer. It's like, no, here's my writing group. Here's my editors. Here's my, you know, cover designers. Here's my, you know, family and friends that are rooting me on and giving me feedback. Like all those things are important part of part of the story. And I think there's, there's something about when you came to the point of uh, just kind of telling your family and friends, like, Hey, this thing's gonna be out in the summer. Like, we're all in this together. <laughs> like, you know, that's really important. And I feel like you, you kind of have, you feel like people are rooting you on and, and then they're probably asking you, Hey, how's that going? You know, is it getting mm-hmm. close to that kind of thing? Um, which, which I live in that tension because you don't want to always tell people exactly what the story is about too soon. Or, you know, it's, it's like that jinx thing. It's like, you're not supposed to tell them everything, but Hey, I kind of got this idea because then they make fun of you or whatever. Um, but you know, when you get closer and you go, Hey, this is, this is my piece of art. This is my book. This is my story. Um, I love that because I think, um, people need to realize, like, especially in the creative space is you need a community of people, uh, you know, learning together, giving feedback. Um, and, and also they can give you like point you. in. And uh, I was just talking to a guy about how kind and generous the writing community is like, Hey, have you heard, heard of this publisher? Hey, have you heard about this editor? Hey, you know, they're always willing to help. Will willing to point you in, in good direction. So, um, that's, that's really, I think vital for that. Um, now let's let's dig a little further if we can if that's all right um Please. i want I want to hear a little more about the book itself um so when you're kind of getting to the end at least you're feeling like okay th- I think this is the story at least to its um you know rough drafts state um did, were you thinking about how long it needed to be? were you thinking about who the audience was um as you're kind of doing edits as you're kind of going through it again um did you already have that in mind um so tell tell us a little bit about that was there like a particular style you're going after or length or you know any of those things was that in your brain or is that more just like the story needs to be what it needs to be and it'll come out the other end and I'll be I'll be fine with it
1: yeah I I think it's a little bit of both for me so I mean I've done my research so I know kind of what like a YA novel should be right now it's clocking in at about seventy five thousand, so it's like Mm -hmm. pretty close to on the mark for Mm -hmm. for pretty standard um which kind of just happened I I do not have the luxury of being a uh, plotter. So I unfortunately have a lot of time that goes into kind of just having to muddle through and figure things out as I go. Um, so I don't have that luxury as far as like, oh, this chapter will be this many words and mm. and whatever. I, I tend to find if I have like a, a beginning like scene or concept and then I know how it ends, then I can just kind of like go through and figure it out. Um so I, I I mean, I know the genre I typically write in young adult fantasy novels, portal fiction, um, sci-fi, steampunk, like some some weird conglomeration of, of that is where I sit. So I know some of that. I know uh, I could probably stand to do more uh, like market research. I did. I created like some personas and things like that. Um, and I have a general idea of, of people that it might appeal to, but it's not, it's certainly not something that I take under great consideration when I'm starting. Um, I kind of just write what I feel it needs to be and, um, go, go from there. Yeah. So,
0: well, you know, and I love asking that question and I probably ask it to everybody I talk to at least writers, but, um, b- because the little dirty secret is actually nobody really knows um and most people don't sit down and just go you know unless you're just like you know I got to write sci-fi cuz it's hot and it's selling and that's the only thing that you know a romance or whatever um but even that like it's it's amazing how pro- many professional writers you you talk to and they just go I didn't I did not know what this is going to be like I thought it was going to be just a, a realistic story it ended up being mag- magical and sci-fi you know like you yeah, just kind of totally. the story needs to be what it needs to be and sometimes characters show up and start talking and do things that you go like oh okay I think it might be going over here um So, yeah, I mean, some people, yeah, obviously they can plot it down to the, you know, sentence, but, but yeah, that's kind of, you know, what's interesting about storytelling. It's kind of that, that magical mystery, mythical thing. Like, I don't know where they come from, but they just, these stories come and they need to be what they need to be. And that's okay. Um, And I think we live, we live in a day where there's a lot more freedom too. Like it doesn't have to be so nice and neat. Like this Mm -hmm. is mystery and this is, you know, thriller, this is sci-fi. It's like, everything's kind of blended you know together i was reading this book i actually thought it was just kind of a literary novel and then all of a sudden the dad started like levitating and i was like oh this just went in a different (laughs) different place you know and it was like oh okay there's some magical realism kind of around so kind of cool um but no i love that um and and i think like those listening to like don't stress over that part don't you know get so worried like you know, every chapter has got to be this, or it's got to fit nice and neat. I think we, uh, we have lots of room to play uh, in that. Um, now t- take us through, um, you get uh, called a rough draft, you know, you, you make a few passes. Um, what, what does kind of revision look like for you? What is like fr- before you give it to like the editor, before you give it to people to actually see it, are you, um, you know, going through it? Uh, a thousand times? Are you, you know, what, 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 what is kind of like your strategy? Cause everyone has kind of different strategies of how they revise before they hand it off to someone uh, to edit it.
1: Yeah. Um, I'm going to be straight up with you, Ryan. I'm a hot mess when it comes to this. I, I am still learning is, is kind of my answer to that. So um like I said my writers group meets like once a month so some of it is driven by that of like okay I need to have this like ready for them this specific chapter mm-hmm. um and then I might get feedback from them and then make changes and like go back and then kind of like ripple edit through is kind of is how it usually works where it's it's I, I kind of think of it as like a toothpaste tube where you're just kind of like pushing all of your changes like through and then like uh, just kind of smoothing things out as you go. And then sometimes you kind of have to go back and smooth out. I, um, when I'm, it's, been, it's actually been quite a while since I've actually written a, a book. Um, but I tend to find I don't go back and edit a ton when I'm doing that process. Um, I, and then now I'm starting to implement some more kind of like system edits, um, or systems for editing because it used to be, you know, with that, with machine, it was just like eight years of just like, Oh, like maybe if I do this and maybe if I do this and now I'm kind of starting to implement more of the system. So for example, um, like story grid is something that I got like really into for a while. Um, so I do, I do story grid out my, um, my books now just to kind of sense check if there's chapters that it's like nothing is happening here or there's a lot of repetitive things in here um it's it's a system that is getting a little unwieldy um as like the story grid community continues in my opinion it's starting to get a little out there where I'm like I I don't understand like your podcast when I listen to it anymore which is kind of a shame Mm -hmm. but like the basic the root basics of it and like the original book has been like a lifesaver for me they gave me a lot of like language to actually describe things that before were just like oh something's like not working but I don't know what it is so it kind of gave me the language I needed to self-diagnose problems so that's been really helpful um sometimes I'll go through and be like well I just need to focus on like this one person or like this specific thing that I'm trying to fix or track um which is kind of why story grid is nice because it helps you track things over time um, because you forget I mean, or I do, (laughs) I'm sure Sure. 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 lots of other people do. Um, So that's a little bit of my strategy. Um, It's obviously from my description, not a very cohesive strategy, but like I said, I'm still learning. I'm really excited to like try and write another book after having been through this process and learned Mm -hmm. so much about how to, you know, maybe plot or strategize a book before you jump into it. I'm not sure if that will change my process or or not we'll
0: we'll find out so yeah and that's i mean you said it right that's that's kind of the practice it's the practice. every novel is a practice every story is a practice uh you know um and the next time you try something else uh, i know yeah. for me like one of the big changes was my first very very first novel was you know the advice is always just write to the end get to the end you know don't even look at it and then when i got to the end it was such a hot mess as you said earlier um it it just demotivated me i was just like this thing is just so out of control that because I never looked back, and that was, you know, again, some people can do that, but um, then I interviewed someone who actually was a professional writer, and he's like, I edit as I go, and then you start digging through the weeds, and you're going, Actually, there's a lot of authors that do it that way. Um, and it doesn't have to be like hardcore edits, but just kind of keeps you in the story. It kind of keeps you consistent. And then by the time you get to the end, you at least have something that's not a total, total train wreck. Um, and then when you sure. go back and kind of read through it, you can kind of make easier, you know, oh, change this character or change this little part, you know, that doesn't make sense. Um, cause I'm always looking for things that just keep me motivated and I don't, you know, I'm not doing this full-time either. And so I only have so much time and I want right. to, you know, maximize my time to the best, you know, ability. So yeah, things like story grid, um, story grid's great. Um, I think even just the, what is it? The one page method or oh, whatever yeah, they, the fool's cap fool's cap. <laughs> yeah. Even just doing that, like just one page, writing kind of the basics, you know, of the story. I mean, most writers don't even have that. So, even doing that, yeah, some of their stuff gets a little complex and Yeah. Un- it's still
1: abstract for me. Yeah. So, I'm like, I I just feel dumb. <laughs> I'm like, I I know I'm a smart person. Yeah. <laughs> just like don't yeah. understand what you're saying. So, Yeah. You know, it, like any system, take what you can and, yeah, and leave what doesn't work.
0: And I think what you'll learn too for yourself because it sounds like you're a competent writer is that um it's more subconscious than you realize, like all those Mm -hmm. things they talk about and give language to is actually happening. And you're just doing it because you just know what a good story is because you've read your whole life and you've watched movies and you kind of know how stories work. So you just, you know, even if you're not a big plotter, you just, it's just a subconscious thing. Like it needs to go here. It needs to go. That doesn't work. Like you even mentioned that, like there's things you saw that didn't work because you've read stories your whole life. Um, So you can give fancy words to it, but you know, when stuff works and when it doesn't, um, yeah. and, and there's always stories that b- always break those rules. So I don't like to get right. too, too rigid about it either. It's like my, well, this chapter, this has to happen. You're like, why? Yeah. <laughs> like, you know? So um, anyway. yeah.
1: And well, and that's actually one of the really big benefits I got out of that class from Tim. So he's like, he's like, can list, you know, a dozen plotting structures just off the top of his head. Right. Mm-hmm. So he used to be a teacher and he's just incredibly smart and just, A lot of his focus is kind of taking those like really esoteric or like uh, like ill defined uh, pieces of advice and like taking a really um, methodical look at it and being like, okay, what does that actually mean? And so what he did in that class was like, okay, here's like a bunch of examples. Not all of these can be right, so. Mm like, you don't have to follow all of the rules. And that was so freeing because I actually took it right at like my peak of like, I have to do story grid everything. Like yeah. I have to follow the law. And he was like, no, you don't like <laughs> right. that's dumb. Like these, all of these different systems don't agree on certain things. And yeah. obviously like there isn't just one that works. So nope. you can have a hybrid if you want. So,
0: yeah. yeah. But I, I think, you know, if you were to take a story and kind of you know, melt it down to its essence. I think really in stories, there just needs to be conflict. <laughs> like, like at its core, like every chapter you write, just ask yourself: Is there any conflict in here? Because if there isn't, it's not good storytelling. Like, it's just it's too easy, right? There has to be, mm-hmm. and it can be small conflict. Just things aren't working for some reason. Because you got to give the the character a reason to go, you know, to the next step or do it. They have to have a motivation, right? right. Um, and I think sometimes in in stories, like however they work, is like as long as there's conflict of some kind someone trying to get here because this happened to them, like you'll be fine. Like it'll, it'll be a good story. Um, now that, that was my learning lesson was when I started, it was like, there's not enough conflict. It just was like, then they go here, then they do this and everything's fine. And you know, great. Um, so, um, no, this is good. We could talk all day about this now. Um, a couple more things. Um, you talked a little bit about your process, a little bit about, um, revision, things like that. So, um, I really like this idea of kind of putting it out there. Hey, my book's coming out this summer. Um, so talk about a little bit about just like marketing, like what, um, I don't even like that word, but you know, promotion, if you will. Um, you know, what does that look like? Obviously your friends and family know this book's coming out. Um, what are some ways you're thinking about, you know, obviously coming on this podcast that's world renowned and um, we'll reach 5 million people tomorrow. Um, All those good things. Um, But no, I mean, these are smart things to do, obviously. Um, But like what, what, how are you thinking about that? Are you not worrying about that? You're just like, I'm just going to write the next one. Um, Talk us, talk us through that.
1: Yeah. So I'm really glad you brought this up because this has actually been one of my biggest learning experiences through all of this. So, um, I, like my main resource for how to approach this was actually the um your first one thousand copies by Tim Grawl, which of mm-hmm. course I know him from StoryGrid, so that's kind of yep. an easy, easy aside for me. Um, so he's kind of been my main resource as far as just like stepwise how to do things. Um, but the the big takeaway that I've gotten from things, um, which which maybe seems like bad advice for a podcast about like being prolific. Um, But my approach is actually at this point is in in my head, I'm calling it the 10% book launch. And so the reason that I did this is because I don't do things like part way. Like if I'm doing something, I am doing something. And so, and, and I know that there's so much advice of like, Well, you have to have like your social account, you have to have your websites, you have to have a blog, you have to be on podcasts, you have to get interviews and like all these different things. And so uh, when I was really starting to need to get on this stuff, you know, it was like just spending, you know, 60 hour weeks trying to get everything done. And I immediately like, was just destroying myself. And, and one of, one of the, um, one of the greatest, uh, graces and mercies that I think God has given me in my life is that I'm not able to do a lot of things, um, which seems kind of backwards, but it's like a limiting factor that both a makes me rely on him instead of just going and doing stuff on my own and getting myself into trouble. But also like for my own personal health, it's very nice to like, have recognized like okay you can do like three things um, which is very hard when you see a lot of writers who have who are able to do this kind of like hustle mentality and they're just like go 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 and they're entrepreneurs and they've got all these side jobs and things I'm like I can't do that so <laughs> after like nearly running myself into the ground immediately <laughs> from being like well I you know I work I work 40 hours a week at a full-time job I have a couple freelance things. I do on the side, you know, obviously wanting to like spend time with family and friends. Um, I do a lot of collaborative storytelling online um, and then trying to like increase my writing time just like led to immediate burnout. So my strategy now is like if you can do 10 percent of the things that you wanted to do uh, when you started this big extensive list of things to do, like that will be a success. So like all I need to do by August is get the book out and that's it. And if I don't do anything else, like I have succeeded in my goal of launching a book and the rest of it can come after. I can talk to people about being on their podcasts after I can, Mm -hmm. you know, revamp my website and get it to look exactly how I want it to look. Um, Currently it is not how I want it to look. I can get the newsletter kind of more regularly scheduled. I can do the blog on a more regular basis. Like, um, you know, I can get, the you know the stickers and the swag and speaking events like that kind of stuff i'm i'm trying to be a lot more like mentally and emotionally healthy about it now of just spreading things out so that i don't destroy myself because it basically turned into pretty much immediately like if this is what being a writer is like i don't want this and i have wanted this so badly my entire life Mm -hmm. and you really do have to find that balance um speaking more specifically um to like tactics. Um, some of the things that I'm looking at that are maybe, you know, some of it is kind of your basic website, blog, uh, newsletter kind of thing. Um, being on podcasts, um, that's something I have a lot of experience with in my, in my day job. So it's, uh, like an, it's low hanging fruit for me to make that transition. Um, but some of the fun ones that I want to do is, um, I want to do, um, I do a lot of crafting. So I've done like bookmarks that I've cross-stitched that would be like a giveaway for somebody as an incentive for them to sign up for the newsletter would be winning that I would like to do something maybe with like um, either pre-orders or you know if they give me a review within the first two weeks or something like entering them in a drawing for like a larger cross-stitch project Um, I don't know if people value that or if there's like This is lame um, and uncool, but I'm like, hey, like this is like a handmade craft from the author. So like maybe that um, potentially doing like uh, maybe like a crochet project or something, if I could develop a pattern for one of the characters, which I probably can't, but. Um, Stuff like that. Um, Hero Forge does like um, their website that does 3D printed miniatures for like Mm D&D and gaming. And I'm like, I could make little characters and like get them printed and use those as giveaways. So I'm trying to be a little creative and try to find things that kind of connect with the the group of people that I'm most trying to serve, which is pretty much nerds. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I'm, I'm after I'm after those nerds in that nerd life. And they like things like, you know, little... It's nice because nerds love collecting things from their fandoms. Like, I don't know a lot of people who have, like, Jack Reacher figurines but it's like you know (laughs) people will have all of the x-men including you know a two-bit character from 1972 or you know whatever um so i'm kind of fortunate in that my audience likes that kind of thing and i like that kind of thing and i'm a nerd so i'm like would i like this probably Mm. let's give it a shot and we'll Well, see so those are those are maybe the more fun ones and kind of my overall strategy like it um
0: well, you we'll said, see. you said two really, <laughs> I think really helpful things. One is knowing yourself and just saying, Hey, if I'm not the hustler 60 hours a week, it's going to kill me to do this for one book. You know, just being realistic with that. I really appreciate that because I think a lot of people need to hear that. Um, cause everybody just goes online and goes like, Oh, well, I did this and I did that. Why don't you do that? And you're just like, well, I'm not that person and I don't have time to do that. And I don't want to do that. Um, i it sounds like maybe without you saying it, you're thinking the long game too. I mean, I think there there is that write the next book. Like you just, is just your first one. You don't need to kill yourself on the first one. Um, but if you want to have a long-term, you know, creative kind of career and and put out a lot of stuff. Um, yeah. Think long-term. You don't want to kill yourself on the first one. And I love the, yeah. um, and I think it would work well. And people listening to the, the personal touch, it's the, Hey, this is what I like. I like to make handcrafted, you know, art, arty things, bookmarks, whatever little you know, miniatures, like that's, that's unique to you. And I think that's exactly what our day and age, at least, you know, we can get, um, we can learn about authors more. I mean, they used to be the kind of these mythical creatures, but now, you know, people are more, you know, on social media and things. Um, but yeah, knowing your audience, knowing what they might like. And I think that's great. Um, make it unique. Um, cause there's so much junk too. It's just like the typical, like download, you know, sign up to the newsletter and get a free chapter. It's like, okay, that's fine. Um, but you know, but to say, hey, here's a bookmark I actually made. Um, I actually have a friend who makes um, like homemade, uh, or at, should say, at home, but these um, uh, crosses that are really unique and, and creative, and it has nothing to do with his books. But he just makes them and he gives, you know, giveaways, and people like them. And and yeah, it's just kind of like whatever you're into, whatever um, you think people would like. I think that's great. Um, yeah. So thank you for for sharing that because I know marketing promotion is probably the the thing writers get so nervous about and so freaked out about, but just to hear you say like, just do what you can and, and don't kill yourself and do what you're you know comfortable with. I think is really important. Um, I also heard uh, recently a guy say on, so- if you're thinking about social media, um, social media doesn't sell books, um, but people sharing on their social media does sell books. So it's um, so you promoting yourself buy my book, buy my book doesn't work, but other people saying, Hey, buy Abigail's book. So um, for what that's worth, um, but yeah, just somebody else kind of giving, giving that social proof. Well, Abigail, we could talk all night. Cause I know um, there's always a lot to talk when you get to uh, writers in a room and, and talk about process and craft and all the fun stuff and stories. Um, but uh, to be sensitive to your time, I do want to ask two final questions. And one is what's kind of been your biggest um, takeaway from this whole journey of writing your first novel, um, whether that's through failure, whether that's through victory, whether that's through whatever, um, what, what's kind of the thing you, you say, you know, this is kind of my takeaway, my learning that I want to, I could share with other writers or other creative people, um, here's the thing that I want to, I want to tell you.
1: Ooh, that's a very good question. I think for me, um, it's been to put writing in its proper place in my life. And I think, you know, I have wanted this, for forever, and I have made sacrifices, you know, I have said no to friends, I've said no to certain relationships or opportunities in my life, and you know as i've as I've gone through this process, you know I've had to recognize that like <clears throat> you know if I publish my book tomorrow, like my life wouldn't change, <laughs> <laughs> and you know, and I think I think it's very easy for writers to be like oh well once i once i get the book out, then everything will be different and I'll be happy or I'll be content in my life or whatever. And so I think it's been a long journey to be like, well, I mean, even yeah, so, sort of, but kind of not. Like, I will be very happy when I publish it and I and my life will change because I will be a published author. But at the same time, like my my happiness, my contentness, my attitudes towards life, my relationships with the with the people that I love and care about. um, are not dependent on that. Um, <clears throat> my personal happiness is not content on that. And I think that this kind of second step of that has been more recently where it's been like, um, you know, pushing myself so hard to be on the, on the brink of burnout. Um, you know, and then I, I recently lost a pet, I got COVID and I was still burnout and I was still trying to reach these deadlines and like all these different things and just having to like not worth like hurting myself and hurting my relationships, hurting my face. Um, by, like being neglectful because I'm so like laser focused on this. It's not worth, you know, damaging my health and my, you know, mental and emotional step, um, and stages to, to get this out. And so being able to like, take those steps back, take kind of that, like, just do what you can approach or having grace for myself and, and recognizing that like my writing is not my main source of value. It's not my main source of happiness um, or joy or meaning. Um, and just being able to put it like, this is a passion that I have. It's the thing I love to do. Um, you know, it's a thing that connects me to people, which has kind of been a big shift um, over that 10 year period was it used to be very like Um, you know, I'm going to do this for the Lord and I'm going to change the world because people will see, you know, whatever. Um, And, you know, or I'm going to make people question things or find answers or whatever. And now just being like, no, it just like opens doors for me to be part of communities that I care about and then love the people there. And that's like the real important thing. So like those kind of three, uh, three sectional changes of like how, Writing needs to be in the right place in my life and not be like the thing. in my life has been a very healthy uh, change in my short and long term journey.
0: Sure, well, that's a really mature response. And I think you said it earlier in the interview that um, you know, in your twenties, you probably would have made a big mistake if you know a book took off and you just weren't mature enough to <laughs> to have it in the right right place and re- realize, yeah, writing's not our ultimate identity. It's not our ultimate. You know, we have family and friends and God and all these things. And, and we, we're not to make it such a, put too much weight on it. Cause then, it, then it's not fun. And then it's, you don't even enjoy it anyways. And I think when you have that healthy perspective, then you can actually do a lot of good work because you're not, you know, whether it goes well or not, like you're still okay at the end of the day. Right. right. Um, so yeah, thanks for sharing that. Um, and then lastly, where, where's the best place people can find your book and find uh, you.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So um, I'm not sure when this will launch. So uh, I don't know if the book will be available or not. We'll find out. Uh, my website is amorrisonbooks.com. So that's the easiest place to find me. I am currently on Twitter. I don't know how long that situation will last. Um, I, I was off all social media for like a few years and it was great. So we'll we'll see. <laughs> um, but yeah, Amorrison Books is the easiest place. I've got my blog there. Um, I, uh, which is like a lot of like reviews, but also from like a pulling out some kind of storytelling aspect and looking mm-hmm. at it from there. Cool. Um, Storyum is another place to find me. That's that online collaborative storytelling platform I mentioned. Um, so I've got links to all that on my website though. So Great. that's probably the main place.
0: And then did you say there was a date for the launch? You're hoping
1: I'm hoping for August 11th. Okay. Um, so we'll see. <laughs>
0: my son's birthday. There you go. Oh, so well. happy uh, birthday in yeah.
1: advance, Ryan's son.
0: Yeah. Uh, well, Hey, um, Abigail it was great talking to you and, uh, we went here and fro and dug into a lot of things. And so hopefully, uh, this, uh, interview will be helpful to a lot of people. And I think you helped a lot of people today. So thanks for coming on the show and all the best in this book and hopefully many more. And then when you have more, you got to come on the show and say hello.
1: Oh, I would love to be back. Thank you so much for the opportunity and the work that you do. It has literally changed my life. Oh, well,
0: thank you. Well, there you have it, my friends, Abigail Morrison, go check out her work, go check out her books. She is cranking them out. She's getting them out of the world and there's more to come. Uh, really loved my time with Abigail. Uh, she is a sweet spirit, a humble soul, and I'm so thankful to play a very, very, very small role in just giving her a little a nudge. Little inspiration to get her novel out in the world, get her work out in the world, and I know she'll be thankful she did. And uh, and sometimes, as we talked about, sometimes it's just that that first thing, that first book, that first article, that first website, that first piece of art, that dance, that piece of music, uh, that business, that nonprofit that you start, just getting it into the world, just getting it going, and just seeing where it, where it can go. Sometimes it's that dam breaks open and good things come out of it so keep doing what you're doing guys keep making keep creating keep doing the generous thing keep making art we need your art especially in difficult times like these thank you so much for stopping by the show this week and i just want to again gently remind you if you would like to subscribe to the show keep updated on latest uh, episodes Uh, Please do that through your whatever uh, podcast platform you listen to. Ratings and reviews really help us get the show out to the world. Also, another great way is I have a newsletter that I send out every week called For the Maker Mind. And it's uh, all things making, creation, creativity, uh, interesting links and things I'm reflecting on. And things to help the creators among us in all the different arenas that we find ourselves. Uh, but check that out. And it's a great way to get latest episodes of the podcast, articles, essays, and other cool cool stuff. So I'd love for you to be part of that, that community. You can check that out on the website. And it's all in the show notes. Well, without further ado, I do need to go. And it's been great spending time with you. It's been great sharing this conversation with you. And before I go, go and make great art with your life. And I'll talk to you real, real soon. Have you tried finding tickets for any live event lately? It's impossible to keep up and prices are crazy. That's why you have to check out Gold Star gold star makes it easy to discover the best in live entertainment in your city with instant
1: access to awesome events and special ticket deals concerts live theater comedy dance food fests immersive experiences